What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome back. You're here with the Mr. Mike Agostino, and this is episode 5, Pestege de Belain, of Mr. Benfica. How's everybody doing this week? It's been a different kind of week than what we Benficistas have become accustomed to, hasn't it? Uh, last week we were flying on cloud nine, and uh, Monday night we were brought crashing back down to earth, at least I was. Um, how's everybody's week been, you know, after that? We had an exciting, exciting um, tie last night, an exciting match, I should say. Um, you know, winning 3-0 three, three in extra time and advancing to the quarterfinals of the UEFA Europa League for the record fifth time, believe it or not. Benfica holds the record for most appearances in the quarterfinals of the Europa League, the UEFA Europa League. That's only in the Europa League format, I'm pretty sure, because for Sevilla, Sevilla to have the record five titles they have, they would have had to have been in the quarterfinals five times, but... I remember a couple of those were in the the UEFA Cup days. So we got a lot to go over tonight. I want to thank everybody for, for hanging with me last week. I know that that episode went way long. It went two hours uh, going on, mostly about the Clásico against Porto. Um, a game, certainly, we'll never forget. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. I also uh, want to let everyone know that... Uh, the feedback has been great, and that episode last week performed was our best performing episode other than the the debut, which is still the record holder. That debut episode continues to get downloads and, and listens every week. So to all of you out there listening, downloading, I appreciate I totally appreciate it. I can't stress enough. Um, if you're listening on iTunes and you like what you hear, please take a second, go to iTunes and hit that five star button give me five stars the more stars we can get on this uh on this podcast the more visible it becomes to benfiquistas everywhere i want to share a couple things with you tonight guys um i got some feedback this week for the first time now that this show believe it or not has been on has been producing and putting out episodes for a month i've got some stats that uh kind of blew me away and i wanted to share it with the list with all you listeners and as a sign and token of my appreciation, I want to acknowledge those of you that have been listening. So this show is a bit more international than I realized. Uh, uh, it's been brought to my attention by the producers, by um, by the the platform which I use to produce this this podcast by Anchor. That while eighty six percent of my listeners here are in the U.S., which is expected, a majority of them. Here in Massachusetts, right near me, um, a lot of them are people I know personally. A lot of them are former players I, I have coached. So, of course, I appreciate that love from everybody. But also, big, big shout-out to all my Benficistas up there in the true north, strong and free, up in Canada. I got a lot more, a lot more listens coming out of Canada than I realized. Big shout-out to all of you up there, all right? Uh... I'm blown away, man. I am blown away. Thank you, Canada. Portugal. I don't know who in Portugal is listening, but obrigado. All right, I've got, I've got four percent of my listens have come from Portugal, which is still a a, de- a really good number with 
with uh, I've got listeners in the region of Lisboa in Porto. I've got listeners in the Azores, which means a lot to me because I haven't mentioned this before, but some of you know my mother is from the Azores. Okay, my father is from is from Oeste. He's from this uh, the region or the municipality known as Obidus, right on the right on the the line with with uh, the city of Caldas da Rainha. That's where my father's from. That's where I kind of consider to be my home in Portugal because that's where I've visited the most. But I've also got uh, roots in the islands, in the Azores. That's where my mother's from. She's from Ilha do Sol, Santa Maria. So thank you to my listeners in the Azores. And I've got some listeners up in the nor- way in the north in Braga. Big shout out, abraço a todos. Thank you guys. I am completely, completely blown away by this. Also, a list, I've got some a couple listeners in the UK. Thank you. Switzerland. Switzerland. Someone in the area of Bern, Switzerland, is listening. Thank you. I, I'm, I have, I'm speechless. If the listener in Switzerland is still listening, please give me, send me a tweet. Send me a direct message on Instagram. Send me a Facebook message. It's Mr. Benfica on Facebook. It's, it's Mr. at Mr. Benfica on Instagram or at Benfica Mr. on Twitter. And just say hello. I, I want to say thank you in, in, a, in a more one-to-one message. Thank you. I've also got listeners in Germany yeah, in Germany, in the area of Berlin, it's telling me. Uh, same thing. Reach out. I want to say hello personally. And a listener in Ireland. It looks like there is a single listener in Ireland. I would love to say hello also personally. So if you're hearing this, thank you. And please don't hesitate to reach out. Um, let me know what you think. Let me know what you like, what you don't like. All feedback is good feedback. I want to make this show as good as possible. And it's going to take, um, you know, all kinds of feedback to to do that, to keep improving. Um, It's been a crazy week, like I said, everyone. Uh, We dropped two points Monday night, in case you guys uh, didn't know. I think everyone, if you're you're listening to this show, I'm sure you know. Benfica dropped two points Monday night in a game where I I literally put my my employment on the line as... uh, I found a way, somehow the firewall at my, my, my desk <laughs> did not block me from getting access to my Fubo account, and I was able to stream Goal TV right to my desk in a small, tiny corner in the corner of the screen. I, had the, I saw, I saw the, the meltdown, unfortunately, unfold as I was uh, pretending to work. I hope my employers are not listening. Um, it was end of the night employers if you're listening there was nothing going on it was, it was slow I, I promise but um yeah that meltdown we'll get into it it was uh turned into a disaster but uh we'll hear from from uh Bruno Lige as well on his his reaction to that I also want to uh apologize for last week I had said that I was gonna play you guys a clip of a, a comment from Bruno Lige in a press conference and I did not notice until Sunday when I finally listened to the show all the way through. That clip somehow did not make it into the show. I know I recorded it and I I uploaded it. It was showing on my screen as being in the in in the show, but somehow it did not when the show was produced, it did not upload for whatever reason. 
Um, again, my apologies. I posted it on Twitter. I posted the video. I posted it on the on the show's Facebook as well. Um, and uh, again, I apologize. That um, is a mistake that should not happen. And I will need to be more more thorough in my in my editing before I publish these things. Um, also, I got a quick reaction to the draw in the Europa League today. I was able to catch it, believe it or not, despite my schedule. I was able to pull in between my two jobs. I was able to pull into a McDonald's, and uh, I pulled the car up right up against the building. And fortunately, the Wi-Fi from the McDonald's was was strong, so I was able to get on my phone and uh, stream it. So. Quite the quite the draw, let me tell you. Um, there's eight teams left, as we know, and Befica are going to be playing Eintracht Frankfurt, and our friend and on loan player Luka Jovic. Um, this is a very very interesting matchup. Um, a part of me is is cringing at the thought of two more extra games at the very least. I uh, I had quite the experience trying to follow. And even trying to watch the match yesterday against Dinamo Zagreb, I'll get into it later when I, when we go over that match. But man, I was pulling my hair out with my worst nightmare was wasn't even losing, guys. I'm gonna be honest. It was the thought of 30 more minutes until it happened, of course, and uh, everything went well in those 30 extra minutes. And Bruno Lage doesn't seem worried about it, so why am I gonna worry about it? Um, he seems to believe his team is is also is is fine and ready to go on Sunday. So we'll hit on that also. And some of the other uh, some of the other ties in the quarterfinal round. Okay, we got on our side of the bracket Chelsea taking on Slavia Prague. Did anyone catch that yesterday? What what a comeback in extra time for Slavia Prague. They forced extra time with Sevilla, who are the kings of the Europa League. And Sevilla went ahead, well, drew 2-2 on the night and went ahead on away goals and on aggregate, forcing Slavia to need two goals already in extra time. They pulled it out. They got the last one in the dying minutes, less than that, dying seconds, and uh, the place went nuts, absolutely berserk. Great for a club like that to see them at this stage. Um, great to see a Spanish team knocked out, to be quite honest with you. Um, I enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed watching CR7 send Athletic Madrid back to Spain. And, you know, a lot of times their attitude towards us and their, the way they look down on, on our teams and our players. And even on, on CR7, the way they, they, they look down on him when as if he didn't carry Real Madrid the last five years. Well... Real Madrid is seeing firsthand just how much of a part, uh, piece of the puzzle he was. And, um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to admit I get some enjoyment watching Spanish teams get get eliminated. But uh, that's only because of their their excellence and their greatness in European competition. You know, um, the league's not as visible anymore in here in the United States as it used to be. However, you know, great teams in the Spanish league as shown by the fact that you know they've won the Champions League and the Europa League for the majority of the of the past decade, with with a few a few um, exceptions here and there. But for the most part, the Spanish league has won the European trophies. 
and um, we're gonna we're gonna be back with the news in just a minute. So hang on right there. Enjoy Reconquista. All right, and on the other side of Reconquista, we're gonna have the news. See you in just a minute. Welcome back, everybody. It is now time for the news this week, and we start off in the transfer uh, world. Benfica are set to break their transfer record, as has been reported throughout the world. And I heard it reported. Uh, with, I heard it reported earlier this week on the NASA Football Podcast. Uh, hosted by Blaise Bourgeois, that is N-A-S-A, NASA, standing for North America, South America, football podcast, a podcast that covers all things uh, CONCACAF and Comnebol, and uh, this, he was talking about Mexico this week was really the theme, and it sounds like Benfica's Mexican on-loan player, Raul Jimenez, is set to join Wolves on a permanent deal that could be worth an estimated 41 million US dollars or 35 million euros um and blaze talked about this with one of the mexican american uh reporters his name escapes me right now but uh it sounds like it's a done deal i've heard in the past that it's a done deal uh, it looks like Benfica are going to make quite a profit on what was at the time that he was signed Benfica's most expensive purchase of a player from Atletico Madrid. Now he's off to uh, Wolves. He's had a fantastic season. And I'm going to be quite honest. I miss him this season. Especially now with Seferovic down injured. Okay. Um, 
we're really thin at the forward position. It's it, almost nauseating for, for me to think about the fact that Jimenez, Jovic, and Chucky Fajeda are all out on loan right now. We're using wingers as forwards, and these three guys are out on loan. We couldn't have kept one of them. I, I get it. It's Jovic wasn't working out. We found a good home for him. We'll we'll collect a we'll collect a transfer fee for him. Jimenez was working. I mean, Jimenez would have been, I think, the perfect striker for the Bruno Lage style. But you know, he found a really good home in England with Wolves, with Nuno Spiritsant, ironically, um, and with some other uh, some guys that are made in Seychelles, Elder Costa, Ivan Cavaleiro, as well as Cui Patricio as well as Ruben Neves, João Moutinho. There's a real Portuguese uh, Portuguese flavor there, Ruben Vinagre. So he's he's very much, I think, at home there in Wolverhampton. And um, it's a move that I think will, will work for everybody in the long run. Um, Benfica will collect a nice transfer fee, a nice bit of profit. He's going to move to a top league. He's going to, I'm sure, get a... a Huge raise in his salary, and I'm sure that um, Wolves are happy with, with what they're getting as well. Also this week, uh, the draw came out for the Taça de Portugal Feminino, the Women's uh, Portuguese Cup. Our Benfica, out of the second division, are in the semifinals, and we drew probably the favorites in the tournament, Sporting Braga, the defending finalist and last year's second-place team in the Portuguese Campeonato Nacional, the first division. So we're going to play the first leg at home on the 24th of March at the Estadio Tapadinho in Lisbon, um, home of Athletic Club Portugal on most weekends, but has been the home for the Sport Lisboa Benfica women this season. Um, the second leg will be played a month later. The Portuguese Federation loves putting these semifinals a month or two apart, but um, it will be on <laughs> on April the 20th, 4.20, shout out to to Alex on Benfica After 90. Um, <laughs> little inside baseball there for, for anyone who watches that show. Uh, that match will be played at the Estadio Primeiro de Maio in Braga, which used to be the home stadium for the men's uh, sport, sporting club de Braga, now making their home at the Pedreira um, that was built for Euro 2004. Also on the women's side, because Elish também merecem, the women's futsal team won the derby last week, two to one over Sporting. Um, Benfica now are joint first with Cavalinho on seven points, four ahead of Sporting. Um, after three three rounds of this final round, um, I believe there's still a playoff round after this. I'm not positive about that, but this is the what they're calling the final round of the national championship. Um, but they're match day three out of 14. Befica are sitting on seven points, tied for the lead, as I said. Two wins and a draw. Sporting are four points back with three points um, in, I believe, fourth place. And lastly, as you may or may not know, next week is an international break. And there will be a lot of Benfica players in action, especially, um, actually I should say, for Portugal, there's going to be a lot of Benfica influence in this Portuguese uh, team. Fernando Santos earlier today announced his, his convoc 
convocatoria. And I've got it here. If you just give me one moment, I'm going to read it off to you. The convocados, the squad list for Portugal's upcoming two Euro 2020 qualifiers. First on the 22nd of March against the Ukraine. And then on the 25th of March against Serbia. Both matches are going to be played in our Estadio de Luz. Here's the squad list. The goalkeepers. We got Beto. We got José Sá from Olympiacos and Rui Patricio from Wolverhampton Wanderers. We got for the for midfielders, or I should say the defenders first, we got João Cancelo of Juventus, Nelson Semedo of Barcelona, José Font, who I believe is at Lille now, uh, Pep Futebol Clube do Porto, Ruben Dias, Benfica, Mario Rui, Napoli, Rafael Guerreiro, Borussia Dortmund. And we got some more. Uh, we got the midfielders now. Danilo Pereira, Futebol Clube do Porto. Ruben Neves, Wolverhampton Wanderers. William Carvalho, Real Betis. Bruno Fernandes, Sporting Clube Portugal. João Mário, Inter Milan. João Moutinho, Wolverhampton Wanderers. And Pizzi, Sport, Lisboa e Benfica. In the attack... Bernardo Silva of Manchester City, Gonçalo Guedes of Valencia, Rafa of Benfica, André Silva of Sevilla, Cristiano Ronaldo returning from, uh, to the national team. The captain is back. He, as you know, plays for Juventus. Diogo Jota, also of Wolverhampton Wanderers, is back. And then two deputants. One was kind of surprising, the other not. But perhaps it was surprising to me only due to my ignorance of uh, of the situation. Diego Souza, the second top scorer in the Liga Nage, a Brazilian-born player who's now been in Portugal for over a decade, uh, currently the second top scorer, as I said, playing for Sporting Braga. He's called in for the very first time by Fernando Santos, and of course, our very own João Félix, will debut as well. I hope he gets into one of these two matches and does get a full international cap under his belt. Uh, but this looks like a strong Portuguese team. But uh, I think the story of this is seven, yes, seven Seychelles alums, and I'm going to, or connections to the Seychelles, uh, José Sá, Danilo Pereira, I know they both played for for Football Club do Porto, but their their formation or their youth development passed through Seychelles, as well as João Cancelo, Nelson Semedo, uh, Ruben Dias, obviously, Bernardo Silva, Gonçalo Guedes, okay, those guys, and João Félix are all made in Seychelles, and including their Pizzi and Rafa as uh, current Benfica players as well. It's a total of seven players in this uh, in this in this squad list um, with ties to Benfica in one way or another. Um, also Rafael Guerreiro is a lifelong Benfica fan. Even though he's uh, never represented the club, he's on the record as a lifelong fan of Benfica. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is this week's news. There's not much else to cover. We're gonna pay a, a couple bills right now with the roll with the roll ad. Um, we'll be back on the other side with with um, 
a sound clip from Bruno Lage, and then we're going to begin to talk about the match with Balainsad. I'm going to call them Balainsad tonight. I'm not going to call them Bulanis. Out of respect for Club Football Bulanis applying their trade, working their way, you know, starting their way back to na- to the national football stage uh, through the Association Football de Lisboa in, I believe, their Liga, Liga de Honra. All right, we'll be back in just a minute. Stay right there. Notícias jogar depois do Futebol Clube do Porto e correr atrás de alguma forma da liderança do campeonato. Pode ter colocado aqui alguma pressão extra nos seus jogadores para, para esta partida? Dá-me vontade de voltar a fazer pergunta a vocês. O que é que achou do jogo? Acha que a gente sentiu alguma pressão a jogar? É que se nós, nós, nós tivéssemos o nosso jogo, se a bola queimasse nos pés, se não criássemos posse de bola, se não jogássemos bem, se não criássemos oportunidades. Eu concordava consigo, agora já é a terceira pergunta que vem nesse sentido, eu entendo, é um empate. Mas vamos olhar para o jogo em que estivemos a ganhar por 2-0, cometemos dois erros e surgiu o um empate. Eu acho que não. Não pesa nada, porque a equipa jogou bem. Se não jogasse bem, eventualmente os outros, outros aspectos podiam-se levar. Agora, claro, é, é uma análise fruto, fruto do resultado. Imagino que nós não tivéssemos cometido estes erros ofensivos. Estaríamos aqui a falar de outra maneira. Mas como os cometemos, é o empate. O mais importante é aquilo que lhe digo. É, estamos conscientes do trabalho que temos vindo a fazer e da forma como jogamos. E, é, independentemente do resultado... Amanhã o trabalho é o mesmo, preparar o jogo seguinte, analisar este e definir a melhor estratégia para na quinta-feira voltarmos a fazer um grande jogo. Welcome back, Benfiquistas. Welcome back to Mr. Benfica, episode 5. Alright, I've been... Uh, I guess I got a taste of what it's like to do a podcast when things don't go so well this week. Um, up until this point, it had been real easy talk about this team every uh every step of the way every match of the way um and then this happened this week like i said i was i was at my job i was at my place of employment and uh i got nervous when i checked my foot mob app and it was halftime and still nil nil i uh i've been nervous about about fatigue about um injuries obviously missing Missing Seferovic, really, really, I was concerned about that because he plays such a vital role in the style of play, as does Gabriel, as you guys know how big I am by now on Gabriel. He was not in the game this this past Monday night. I was completely uh, nervous because he also is such a crucial part of that press that Benfica likes to put, that high press pressure. He's, he provides the balance um when you have João Félix and Seferovic really pressing high, he seems to always be the one that goes to get the the bad pass that, that the other two in front of him force from the opposition. He's such a ball winner. But um, he wasn't there suspended due to that, you know, as we said last week, we covered uh, that sequence of events at the Stadio do Dragão involving him and Otavio. So we're not going to talk about it again, but he was out of the lineup, um, and yeah, I was, and then it was two nil, and I thought I was good. I'm going to be honest. I saw it, put it up on my screen, but I honestly thought I was going to see three, four nil. You know, I thought we were going to just put some more goals on these guys and go into 
this weekend with the the lead. You know, we had the we needed the victory for the two point lead. You heard Bruno Lage there talking about. Um, you could hear how annoyed I think he was. If you understand Portuguese, um, if not, I'll I'll translate or paraphrase a translation for you. Um, and he was at this point. This was the third time someone asked him this a similar question like this about if uh, the pressure was too much having to play after Porto with Porto taking a one a one point lead before the match with you know Benfica obviously having the game in hand because they hadn't played yet and you could see in in his face if you watch it the annoyance with that question for you know the third time and he said that the team look pressured and, you know, Bruno Lage does a good job here because, again, because I didn't see the game li as live as, you know, I didn't really pay attention to it live because I was at my job, I was doing my thing, and, uh, you know, trying to keep my employment, obviously. <laughs> but um, I was a little annoyed. But after now having been able to watch it, I, I, am a, I saw it along the lines of the way Bruno Lage saw it. I, didn't, I purposely did not hear his press conference until after I had seen the game for myself because I didn't want to influence my own opinion by what he said. Um, but I did see what he saw. The game was not as bad as either social media or as I envisioned. And I, I was looking on Twitter and I mean it was it was absolutely throwing the towel uh, sentiment all over the Twitter sphere. Uh, Benficistas everywhere uh, blaming you know all kinds of things, and all of a sudden, you know, Ruben Diaz is no good. When does Jardel come back? Um, Odie's no good anymore. He made a mistake. He's not a good goalkeeper anymore. It's you know, and and it's a real uh, overreaction um, by a lot of fans, in my opinion. Having seen the game for myself, I, I agree with Bruno Lage. It wasn't, even though it wasn't the best game, it wasn't a game that was really that bad. It was an instance of events, two errors that really cost Benfica the result. As a result, the game ended 2 2, and Benfica dropped two points. Still first place, however, uh, on the tiebreaker, having beaten Porto in both games, we win the head to head. And I, I stress the importance of that in the last two episodes about how important that game was because of the tiebreaker, it was really an extra half point because as long as it stays tied, we're ahead. Now we got nine games to go and, you know, it may take nine wins to win this league, but as long as we do that, we will be champions. And that is because we've won the head-to-head, -head, okay? So, we'll, we'll go and run down the match right now and uh, the game... We'll begin, and I'm going to go over the lineups first, okay, starting with uh, Boline Sad, as I said in the last in the last segment. I'm not going to refer to them as Bolinist today. I'm going to refer to them as Boline Sad, S-A-D, capitalize, it's an acronym for Sociedad Autonoma Desportiva. Um, they are not club football Bolinist, let's not, let's not confuse them, okay. One is not the same, out of respect for the club. That is going to fight its way back into national, uh, into the national leagues of football, um, out of respect for the sauce user of that club, who preserve the club, who preserve the emblem, 
who kept the club in their home stadium, in the Chistilu, not playing wherever they could find a home pitch the way this club has. And this is not a disrespect to the players on the field wearing this navy blue uniform or to the manager managing this squad. This is just simply out of respect for the supporters of this historic club from Belain. Okay? Um... They would start with Muriel Becker in goal, which interestingly enough, I didn't know this before the game and I realized, is the older brother of Liverpool and Brazil keeper Alisson Becker. Okay, And the thing that made the light bulb go off in my head was I saw his gloves had the name Becker on the strap. And of course, a quick little trip to Wikipedia, Muriel Becker, and you see that he is the older brother of Alisson Becker. Um, and he is the veteran goalkeeper for Bolognese. Bolognese would come out in a four, excuse me, in a three, four, three. In the back, they had on the right side Gonzalo Silva, in the middle, Nun Coelho, and on the left, Vincent Sasso. The four man midfield across the middle, starting on the left, is Zakaria Bergdich. In the center, you had Eduardo and Andres Santos. And down the right side, Diogo Viana. Up front, a three-man attack. Uh, on the right was Jonathan Luca. Center forward or striker was Kikas. And on the left, the veteran and Portugal international, Lica. You might remember him from his days uh, with Football Clube do Porto. He also has played for Vitória Guimarães and the Estoril. One cap for the Portuguese national team. Ironically, that was right here in the Boston area against Brazil uh, back a few years back when Brazil would win 3-1 to against Portugal here at Gillette Stadium um, here in the greater Boston area. And um, that's his one cap. But he's a very experienced player. A lot of matches in the Liga Nage. Um, a lot of years now, and he has even, like I said, he's played for Porto. He's He's been in one of the big clubs. He's played for Portugal. Very experienced, very good, solid player for Bolognese. Benfica would line up in their 4-4-2, which is becoming their their trademark 4-4-2. Odi Vlakodimos in goal. Across the back, the right back was the captain, Andre Almeida, the center-back pairing that we're getting used to seeing, the kids, Ruben Diaz and Ferru. The left-back was Grimaldo. Across the midfield, starting on the left, was Rafa in the middle. A little bit of a surprise. The one surprise for me in this lineup, uh, Bruno Lage went with the double pivot of Andreas Samaric and the surprise of Florentine Luis, who had himself a very nice game. Don't get me wrong. Florentine starts over what I thought was going to be Jetson. I thought Jetson was going to come in and play and serve in the Gabriel role as he's a little bit more of an offensive-minded player. However, it looks like Bruno Lage went with Florentino instead. And Samaris kind of moved a little bit more forward, playing um, a little more, not, not completely playing the Gabriel role, but... Moving a little bit more into that role, maybe, you know, as a hybrid of what he normally does and the Gabriel role that was missing. Peasy was on the right side of the midfield as usual. 
And up front, we had João Félix starting with the returning Jonas Pistolas. The number 10 was back in the lineup after a lengthy absence. And um, we'll get right into the match here. Um, again, your announcers, if you watch this game on BitTV, was Elder Condut and Rogério Matias. Those of us watching on Gold TV, we had Alejandro Figueredo and Omar Fuentes. And Alejandro and Omar start off the broadcast uh, talking about the debut of the new logo for Belay. Uh Honestly, I think the thing is hideous. <laughs> it's it's a bee with a with the tower of Belay. and it, to me it it looks cheap. It looks hideous. It's Almost as bad as the New England Revolution logo, which for me is the worst logo in all of football, all, anywhere in the world. I, I think that logo is absolutely lazy, uncreate, uncreative, and unoriginal. Revolution fans who I rarely um, agree with on anything will fight me on that, saying how it's original and it's not a, it's not a cr- just a generic crest. No, it's... It's a, an American flag with the Photoshop Champions League ball on it. This Beline, this Beline logo is, is rivaled only by that one. And um, I think the thing was, was atrocious. But, you know, before the game, Beline's coach, Seelage, was asked about uh, about the logo, uh, losing the old logo. And he, he said the only thing he asks is that they're allowed to play with 11 players and the rest, you know, is not his concern. And I have to say, he's doing a amazing job right now this season with this team. He's got his boys. He's got Balansad in seventh place right now on thirty-seven points, five points back of fifth place uh, Moreirense, which will likely be the Europa uh, Europa League spot this year. Given with the four teams that are left in the Taça de Portugal are already in the top four spots, opening up another spot um, in the Europa League for. Uh, that fifth place, and the race could get very interesting down the stretch as um, this was a big point for, for Seelish's squad in that battle. And they had said before the game that they were coming to win and that they believed they could win. Remember, back in the first half of the season, Benfica went to the Stadio Nacional to Jamur where these guys were calling their home field at the time, and uh, they were beat by, by Belay there. Okay, the reverse fixture was a result of 2-0 to Belayne, so um, Benfica should not have overlooked this team. Perhaps they did a little bit, I'm not sure. I'm not in their heads, but they should not have. Um, they should not have overlooked it, but the match starts off here. As the stats load up, give me one second, everybody. I apologize. We're at the Stadio de Luz. Another big crowd at the Stadio de Luz on Monday night. On a late Monday night, I gotta, I gotta give an, a you know, a lot of credit to these Benficistas making these weeknight trips to Stadio de Luz. They come, you know, they don't just live in Benfica. We're not just a neighborhood club or just a city club. Benficistas come from all over Portugal. They come from all over and they make long trips home after these matches. So I have to give. I have to give an applause and a kudos to to the Benfica fans that filled this stadium. You know, another great crowd, and in the, so the match starts off 
you know, Benfica on the attack. Um, Rafa misses a left-footed shot from the center of the box in the second minute. Uh, also in the second minute, a foul by Ferro gives on Lika gives Bulanesic a a free kick in their defensive half that really amounted to nothing. Um, skip to the seventh minute, an attempt was missed by Diogo Viana of Bulanesic of Balai, excuse me, a right-footed shot from the right side of the six-yard box misses to the right. He had received the pass from Jonathan Luca or Lucha, I should say, with the double C. A couple more fouls by by Belain. Nunu Kwe, uh, Nunu fouls Rafa on this in the seventh minute. Still in the seventh minute, Jonathan Lucha fouls Peasy. Not a, much going on there. The ninth minute, a right-footed shot from outside the box by Peasy is a little too high. Uh, Diogo Viana will win a free kick at the other end on the right wing in the 12th minute on a foul by Andreas Samaris. In the 14th minute, Kikash, the striker, the young striker, would win a free kick on a foul also by Samaris. Samaris with the foul again in the 16th, and it, <laughs> he, he sure does get his fouls in. Um, the free kick is blocked uh, Andres Santos takes it right shot, right footed from outside the box, but it was blocked. A couple more fouls, lots of fouls. There was a delay in the match because uh, Eduardo Enrique was down. Um, he was fouled by Florentine Luis. The delay was over about a minute later. Um, a few more missed attempts. A corner by Benfica in the 22nd. 24th, some more misses. Uh, Andre Almeida's left-footed shot from outside the box was too high. He received that ball from Samaris. Um, João Felix would be fouled in the 24th by Andres Santos as well. Andres Santos receiving a yellow card on the foul. Uh, foul, foul, foul. This was a game in this first half with, with plenty of fouls. A old-fashioned Portuguese League-styled game, if you would. Um, a little bit of, of Toirada on the field there. But uh, Befica is, you know, not playing their best, but in control of the match at this point. Uh, Rafa would miss a header from the center of the box. It was high to the, excuse me, it was high and wide to the left on a cross from Andre Almeida. Andre Almeida really had a good game. Um, this went overlooked by a lot of, not just the media, but by fans in general. He had a good game. Um, and he's really come along the last, he's had, Three or four a succession of three or four really good games. A player, you know, the the patin feu, the ugly duckling, as sometimes he's called, because uh, you know our fans are not too fond of him. But he is a he's a great Benfica, loyal loyal player. Been there a long time. He can play several positions, and uh, he's really been serviceable in the absence of a true out and out right back. He's really been serviceable and done a good job. Peasy wins a free kick in the 32nd. Nothing comes of it. Um, in the 35th, Rafa misses a right-footed shot from the center of the box. Too high. In the 36th, Jonas would win a free kick, but the attempt would be missed. Um, Diogo Viana will win a free kick for the opposition in the 38th down the, down the flank. Fouled again by Samadis. Samadis definitely got his licks in in this one. Um... Peasy would foul Nunquelu in the defensive half. And really nothing else happens in the first half. Very, very 
quiet half. Um, not the Benfica we're used to seeing in the first half. We used to seeing this team come out and get an early goal. My, the questions I've really been asking of this team week after week is, what happens if we don't score an early goal? We know we can score early, and we know we can come back from an early deficit. What happens when we don't score and there's no deficit? Um, very, I've been very curious to see, and this, this one was a bit... Concerning because we went through a whole half without really much of anything going on. We will, you know, we'll talk about the second half in a second. And we, but first I want to, I apologize, my computer is popping up with really stupid alerts right now. Uh, and it's incredibly distracting. So we're going to go to the second half in just a second. I'm going to talk a little bit about about the the halftime. Um, we all, anybody talking about this team on, in any type of platform, we're all talking about how we look forward to halftime. Under Georges Jesus, under Rui Vitoria, halftime was not good. Halftime was a momentum killer. We dreaded it because the team would be playing well and then halftime would break down. We wouldn't get, you know, we'd... we'd lose our our rhythm a little bit and then come back out into the second half. Under under Bruno Lage, it's the opposite. We come out of the second half ready to go just every time. He he does something. He has the ability to, to reorganize this team, to refocus them, to tell them what they need to hear so that they come out playing in the second half, blazing. And this was no different. Much better second half to start for Benfica. Okay, they come right out on the front foot. Jonas winning a free kick right in the 48th minute. João Felix with a, a header on the left side of the box. Misses following that set-piece situation. Rafa winning a free kick in the attacking half in the 50th minute. Drawing a yellow card for Eduardo. Um, in the 54th, we finally get the goal. It is Jonas, no other, no one other than Jonas on his return. A right-footed shot from the center of the box to the bottom left corner, beating Muriel. A great, great cross from Andre Almeida. Um, we're waiting for Jonas to arrive. You know, he was a little rusty in this game. Uh, I think he himself would admit that. He, uh, especially in the first half, was pretty rusty. But this ball comes in. He finds a way to bring it down do a half turn, half vol side volley. He puts that thing in the side half volley, I should say. He puts that thing right right in the corner in the bottom left, uh beating beating Muriel to his right. And the place explodes. Befica got the lead. Much needed. Ten minutes into the half essentially. And this is exactly what we needed. Befica are looking good. And the crowd is confident. Um fifty eighth minute we got a foul by Gonzalo Silva on Rafa. Okay, the 62nd minute, an attempt was missed. Um, Andreas Samaric has a right-footed shot from outside the box. Missed to the left following that set-piece situation on the foul that was drawn by Rafa. But in the 64th minute, what's now being called, at least here on... On FootMob, it's being called an own goal, but then it was corrected, and it, the video did show. Um, it was a goal by Andreas Samaric. Um, I'm not sure officially what the league has called it, 
Uh, it looked like a... I, in my opinion, it's Samadji's goal. He hits the ball. He's shooting at goal. Um, it's not like he's shooting away from goal. The ball does does redirect off of Nunu Coelho and into the goal. And at this point, we see the lanternas, the, the flashlights <laughs> go off. The cell phone flashlights go off in, across Stadio de Luz. Uh, the fine by the league after the last home game. Not enough to deter the... the, the the Benfica fans in the stadium, but it was a short-lived, uh, short-lived confidence. In the 67th minute, Diogo Viana scores on a broken play. I mean, and the interesting part is, if you listen to the post-game press conference, and I didn't, I didn't include this, this soundbite. Rui, excuse me, Bruno. <laughs> Bruno Lage explains that this was an offensive mistake. He says OD was trying to play the ball quick uh, to a player who's not in a good situation, and he ends up losing the ball and being forced to foul. And um, we don't see this. I I, re- I went back to the goal several times after hearing that. Unfortunately, the TV feed is showing a replay of an offside that was called just seconds before. An offside on Eduardo, um, oh, sorry, an offside on Lika on a ball that was played in by Eduardo. Um, while the replay is playing, Odisea is just trying to play out a quick ball, I believe. I'm not sure if it was on his foot or if he was playing it out by hand. But it, it ended up being not the best decision, and Benfica would would be penalized. They would foul, and the free kick really was a broken play. It looked like he was trying to cross it into the box, put it in the mixer. The ball goes over everyone's head, takes a funny bounce, and Odiseish, for whatever reason, seems to be think the ball's going wide. He puts his arms out as if to not touch it, as if he's afraid of giving away a corner kick, and that ball finds its way right inside the post, and it goes right into the corner, and all of a sudden, Bulanish pull one back, and at this point, everyone, something in my stomach just turned, and I said I had the worst feeling about this game from that moment forward. Here's our our undisputed number one making an absolutely amateur mistake, and it happens. It happens to goalkeepers. It's the kind of mistake I expect at the levels I've worked at. You know, I expect my goalkeepers I've worked with to make this this kind of mistake. A little bit of overconfidence, and you know, it was not a the bad feeling, you know, it set in and it didn't go away, nor should it have, because two minutes later, an absolutely dreadful, dreadful mistake from Ruben Dias. He is under pressure and trying to play the ball back to Odiseas, back to Odi. And he decides to play it back with the outside of his foot and not nearly enough on it. That ball makes it not even halfway to to the keeper, Odi's caught coming out, he doesn't get all the way out, obviously, he doesn't, he ends up being stuck, you know, on May Camino halfway, and Kikas, the young forward, is in on a breakaway, and he, you know, he finishes the thing with class, he puts it around Odiseish, and into the bottom right corner, and in the span of three minutes, in the span of three minutes, it's two to two, 
And it's a real, another real amateur mistake, the kind of mistakes I expect with the players, I, you know, with the level I work out in the, or worked at in the amateur high school youth levels. These are the kind of mistakes we used to see, you know. And I'm going to break this down a little bit for you guys. And Bruno Lage also talked about this, that he, um, these are mistakes that happen with young players. And if you listen to the Benfica podcast, uh, Alfredo said the same thing. They, when you know, he talked about the. You're talking about Ruben Dias, who we now mistake for a veteran. This is a kid. He's 21 years old, I think. He's gotten maybe 30 appearances in the Liga Nage at this point. 30, 40. Nowhere near the the level of experience most center backs have. Okay. Cristiano lost his mind when he said that. He says he's playing for Benfica. He doesn't age is just a number. If you're gonna play for this shirt, you're expected to be perfect all the time. And while that, I think that's the expectation of of, of most fans. It's fans are not necessarily realistic, and I don't have to tell anybody about the perspective of a fan. You're all fans. The fact that you're listening to me right now, that you've downloaded or played this podcast means you're not just a fan, you're a pretty avid fan, a pretty diehard fan of this team. Um, I don't have to reiterate to you this perspective of the fan. But my job here, my mission here is to give you the perspective of the mister, the perspective of the man who right now is, is Bruno Lage, who coaches this team, and this is a mistake. This is something 21-year-olds do. Okay, it's not an excuse. It needs to be handled. It needs to be learned from. It can't be repeated. But this is a mistake 21-year-olds, 20-year-olds, 19-year-olds make. This is why all those years that everyone got excited about Arsenal playing with kids and playing with, you know, they weren't really homegrown players. They were purchase players, but they were young players. This is why Sporting... Never won titles. Either one of those teams did not win titles playing their kids. Yes, hashtag play your kids is all over North America also. Everybody wants every MLS team to play their kids. When you play your kids, yes, it's exciting, but these things happen. There is a learning curve. No matter what your occupation is, it doesn't have to be in professional football. It doesn't have to be in sport. When you're 21 years old, 20 years old, 19 years old, new to your job, whatever your occupation is, there is a learning curve. You make mistakes that the 35-year-old does not make that's been doing this for 15 years. You have other abilities as a young player, okay? You can do things the 35-year-old can't do, but you make mistakes the 35-year-old won't do. This is a mistake, I'm telling you, because I heard right away, ugh. You know, Louis Zone would have put this ball out of play. Jardel would have put it in the 20th row. And I agree. That is probably what either one of those two very experienced center backs would have done. But you know what? If you go back to 2004, 2003, 2005, Louis Zone made mistakes like this. I can guarantee it, okay? You will find a mistake by Louis Zone just like this. Yes, I agree. The play I would have liked to seen in that situation... I, Especially two minutes after your keeper just had a blunder, okay? He's, you know, psychologically, the keeper is the most psychologically vulnerable player on the pitch. And it's for a good reason, okay? His mistakes, as you saw in the first goal, are magnified. How many mistakes did the other ten players on the field make before him that we don't notice, okay? 
when the keeper makes a mistake, it's magnified because the ball ends up in the net, okay? And the result is affected directly. Your keeper just gave up a bad goal. That's not the time to be playing a cute pass back to him. He most likely was still thinking about that and was reacting late to you sending the ball. You really sent him a hospital ball anyway, but I think a more experienced defender, especially a Jardel, you know, or Luizão's retired, but let's use Luizão as an example, or even Pep uh, at Porto, okay, we talk about experience. They, I don't think many of them make that mistake, okay? They don't send that ball back to the keeper that's just been battered. Yeah, you can say that you you reestablish confidence by by using him, by by getting him involved, getting his first kick on the ball back, and he'll reestablish his rhythm and his confidence. I think in this play, the best play would have been to put it out of out of play. I mean, put that thing in the tenth row, give somebody a souvenir. Um, that's what I personally would. If I would, if I were coaching this match, I would have been yelling away, away, away. I know that's not the way Benfica plays, but in this situation, I would have been yelling away to Hubendiš, um, especially holding a two-one lead. The team is vulnerable. You just gave up a goal. The other team just got their belief. They're pressing hard. They're running hard. They're gonna chase that ball down. Um, it was kind of telegraphed at the same time. But this is this is a growing pain. This is a learning curve. This is what you get when you have teenagers and and twenty twenty one year olds in your team and you're trying to win the league. I can live with this, okay? I can live with it because I think we're gonna come out better because of it. And you know, yeah, we had very little cushion. We've used up that little cushion. There's no cushion left. This goal really cost us two points, but. All of the missed opportunities cost us just as much, okay? We can't put everything on Ruben Diaz. You can't put everything on Odi. can't put everything on, you know, any one player. This is a team game. It's a cliche, but it's true. Um, from that point forward, uh, from that point forward, Belain goes into hacker mode, into time-killing mode, into delay mode. Uh, typical, you know, atypical, classic, uh, smaller Portuguese team style. The yellow card comes out for Nunquayu in the 72nd minute for a bad foul. Um, Rafa was down a bit. Rafa is really, I mean, his tank, this guy is working hard. I mean, he is working hard. He has been running, he's been covering space, he's been producing... Uh, it looks like the batteries are getting low in this guy, and uh, we'll talk about the Europa League in just a few. And he he, he ran again, and, and I, I know I I wanted him in the national team, and I read his name when I read the squad list for Portugal. I hope he sees very little action in those two games. I hope he rests, you know, a little active recovery with the light training that the national team does, and you know. Not too many minutes if he if he gets on the field for the national team. I'm okay with it. Uh, I really like to see him re-energize. Really like to see him get ready for this final push of the season. We're going to go through the rest of the game. You know, Benfica is trying to get some... Trying to get the winning goal in. It, a lot of, to no avail. Um, in the 78th minute, Bolinis puts in a substitute. Uh, Belay 
subs on Nicolas Vales, Velez for Kikas, the goal scorer. Um, 78th minute, Zivkovic comes in for Samadij, a little bit of a tactical switch. But again, very little, um, very little being produced. Ju uh, João Felix wins a free kick on the right wing. The chances are there. I'm not. I shouldn't say very little produced, but very little materialized. Uh, very tough, tough situation to be in to try to go get a goal against a team this experienced and this well organized, this this well coached. To be quite honest, Sealish. Fantastic coach, fantastic job with this team. This team has no home, they have no logo. They just unveiled an absolutely hideous logo, like we said. Someone on Twitter in Portuguese said it looks like it's from PES 2006 from Winning 11 2006 in the Custom League. And, uh, it's, yeah. But all of that aside, all of the controversy, Sila's really done a good job. Um,. Diog Viana gets a yellow card here in the 82nd minute for a bad foul. Uh, 83rd minute, we get a substitution. And at this point, Brunelage is just trying to, to get something. Jota comes on for the final 7 minutes plus. Replaces Rafa. Rafa's spent at this point. Um, Belonging with the counter substitution, Pierre Sagna is on for Diog Viana. Another foul in the 86th by Lika. Grimaldo wins a free kick in his own half in the 86th. Leads to a corner later that was conceded by Andres Santos. Um, but the corner attempt is missed. Ferro from the center of the box gets a header. Uh, but it goes, he misses to the right following that corner. Another attempt is blocked a minute later. Benfica gets another corner in the 87th also. And João Felipe Jota is uh, he misses a right-footed shot from the left side of the box, just a little bit too high. Um, in the 89th, Florentino misses a right-footed shot from outside the box. In the 90th, plus three, a little a little time-killing tactic as uh, uh, Luruzic comes on for Lika for Belay. Um, a foul by Eduardo in the 90th, plus three. He's sent off, but. Uh, Peasy winning that free kick. Nothing comes of it. Um, the attempt is missed by, by Grimaldo. Left-footed shot from outside the box. Misses to the right. And the match ends 2-2. Um, I'm just going to breeze through the standings right now. As you know, uh, Benfica-Porto joint atop the league on 60 points. Benfica with the tiebreaker in the head-to-head. -head. Uh, third place, five points back, is Sporting. And is Sporting still in the in the mix here? Sporting and Sporting Braga are only five points back. Nine games to play. Is this thing really a two-horse race yet? Um, I beg to say it's not. I mean, it's uh, it's conceivable. Five points can disappear in two weeks. That's uh, that's absolutely possible, especially with Benfica and Porto advancing in Europe and adding extra fixtures to their to their already congested calendars. Um, fatigue is going to set in. Injuries are going to come in. It's not out of the realm of possibility that Braga or Sporting can find themselves in the race still. And I thought we all thought they were dead and buried, especially uh, Sporting. And in Braga's form of late, but all of a sudden we we're back to we're back to a really a four team race, five points separating four teams in this league. That's a little bit bigger of a lead than it is in most leagues, but but it's absolutely possible. Fifth place is our opponents on Sunday, Morerense. The Bruno Lage called them the. 
the sensation of the sensação, the sensation of the season in the Portuguese league. They're on 42 points. They're 13 points back of Braga. So really, their their focus now is holding on to fifth place, which will be a Europa League spot this year. Vitória Guimarães is three points back in sixth. Belenenses is two points behind them with 37 in seventh. Santa Clara in a very respectable eighth place on 32 points, while Portimonense are a point behind them on 31 in ninth. Chihuahua, a bit of a disappointing season for them given how well they were last season under Miguel Castro. They're in 10th on 29 points. Uh, Maritimo are 11th on 27, and they are coached by Petit, and they have found some cushion away from the relegation zone under him. Desportivo das Aves, 26th, sorry, 12th on 26 points, equal to Boa Vista and Nacional, all three teams on 26th, on 26 points, excuse me. Um, in 15th, Vitoria Stubel is on 25 points, with tw- now the relegation zone again according to all these sources, Although I don't know how three teams are going down and two are coming up. That's going to give us 17 teams next year. Makes um, Does not make sense to me. Perhaps only one's coming up. I don't know. Uh, Tondela, 24 points under the line right now. Pepa's going to have to do something to get them out of that. Sportiv Chavs is in 17th place. 21 points. This is a team I'm rooting for to get out of the relegation zone. A lot of I have a lot of friends that are Chavs supporters. Uh, a lot of Transmontanos out here in Massachusetts and New England. Um, a lot of Transmontanos all over the world, really. They uh, they have immigrated everywhere. And uh, they are all holding their breath right now, hoping to get out of this this relegation zone. They're only, they're only four points from safety right now. Nine games to go. Absolutely attainable goal right now. And Fedence, on the other hand, 10 points, or 11 points, I should say, away from safety. They're in 18th on 14 points. Nine games to go. Their fate seems sealed. And that is a wrap on this match. Um... The starting 11 was, I think, what it had to be. Uh, the only thing, like I said, that could have been a difference could have been... It could have been Jetson rather than Florentino, but I can see where, where the where the mister went with that, and um, he went with Florentino. Also, the Europa League is, is going to grow in importance now, and we'll talk about this game right on the other side of this segment. But... Um, Man, the the squad's getting thin. <laughs> the squad is getting thin. Everybody needs to be used, and um, I'll I'll talk about this in the next segment. As far as the depth issues, um, I'm very concerned going into Sunday's game. I'm not gonna lie to you. We have very little turnaround time between between last night's uh, win, with extra time, mind you, with extra time. Um, now we're gonna go into a very very uh, strong and. Uh, surprisingly successful Moreirense team this season who's on a little bit of a skid now. They've dropped points the last couple weeks. Hopefully this skid continues and we find them in a state where they're a little less confident. Um, But this is going to be a very difficult match. I I can't stress it enough. And then after that we got the international break which I hope, I hope, brings some much needed rest to these players so we can gear up and make a push for the final 
the final stanza of the season because after this international break, that's it. The, the next stop is the finish line. So stay right there, everyone. We're gonna I'm gonna play a little bit of of a of a sound bit for you guys. This is from the international feed. It's in English. The highlights of yesterday's three nil Benfica victory over Dinamo Zagreb, Stadio de Luz, second leg of the Europa League round of sixteen. Um, Benfica advance. Stay right there. We'll see, and I will see you on the other side. Great ball between the lines. Rafa Silva! That's more like it. Ferro. Jonas! He scored! He always scores! Over two and a half hours, Dinamo have kept Benfica's attack pretty much blunted and truly at arm's length. But this could not have been more precise. Olmo will have another go from the other side. Now or never. It's never. Three hours between them. Hasn't found a winner. Pitsy. Hopeful fans shout for handball. As Gabriel nearly wins it back. Turfield Catherine's clearance is poor. Ferro! Oh, what a goal! That's unbelievable! No question marks over the keeper on this one. That is a bullet from the young centre half. And Benfica have turned the tie around. And may well play for Benfica for a great many years. His first European goal will surely never be bettered. Half a minute or so left of this first period of extra time. It's gone perfectly for Benfica. They've got the goal. And they've got the man advantage. Grimaldo. Oh! It's another stunner. They surely don't got that quarter-final place now. No one went to him. And the spirit of Dinamo Zagreb will surely be broken now. Look at it. All right, so there you have it. That's uh, what it sounded like in English last night. Uh, that was courtesy of the World Feed. Um, Befica. 3-0 winners on the night, 3-1 on aggregate, winning the round of 16 matchup with Dinamo Zagreb, the um, champions-elect already, essentially, in the Croatian League. Um, I had quite <laughs> quite a frustrating experience. And before we get into this, I did want to mention I left out in the previous segment um, the player, the man of the match for the, for the Belang game. It's a game I know when we... When things don't go well, we uh, sometimes, at least I sometimes forget about the man of the match. But with an 8.2 rating, it was Andrea Almeida. That, uh, as far as foot mob is concerned, um, Andrea Almeida was their man of the match with an 8.2 rating. Okay, And then we come to yesterday's Europa League game. And I spoke last week a little bit about my views on the importance of the Europa League on... Whether or not I thought Benfica should go for it, and I'm not gonna lie to you, I I legitimately suffered some anxiety over this game. Um, again, fans want to win. I I totally get that. Fans want to win every game, and it's all over. You know the social media. If you follow it, Benfica just the comment saying is that 
you know, they say, contra tudo e contra todos, or é, é para ganhar tudo, é sempre para ganhar, Benfica tem que ganhar tudo, Benfica has to win everything, always to win, we play to win, we play to win every competition, um, every match is a much to win if you're Benfica, and I get all that, um, but at the end of the day, there's there's still a scientific element, and these are these yes, they're world class athletes. They're still human beings, and there's only so much that can be exerted. This this plantel, this roster, is in my not not in my estimation. It's a fact. It's very thin. The fact that we're using this many B team players, um, as wonderful as it is to see these guys playing and see these kids playing. And we all love it, and it's exciting, and I love it. I love watching these kids play, but the fact of the matter is we're using them because we're we're dealing with so many absences, so many veterans are injured. Um, veterans that I'm starting to think are surplus, I'm not going to lie about that. I'm starting to think some of them are surplus, and uh, the, they, you know, they should be moved aside for these younger players who have proven themselves. But regardless... This uh, this is a thin team right now. People are criticizing the manager for the starting lineup in this match. I'm going to read the starters, okay? And then I'm going to tell you, you know, my thoughts on the starters and you know, I don't know what 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 uh, I mean, I know what you guys want from him, but realistically, it's just it's it's not possible, but maybe I can I can give you guys a little perspective on how I would have approached this match if I'm coaching. And um, I'm going to try to get in, in Bruno Elijah's head and try to tell you what I think he's thinking. He also talked about it a bit. Um, you know, if you, you got to, if you, again, if you understand Portuguese um, and you want to learn about the game of soccer, the game of football, go on YouTube the day after every match and listen to Bruno Elijah's post game press conferences. He gives a lesson. Every single time on the game, and he he points out things that the media are completely oblivious of, and it's not their fault. They're not tacticians. They're not managers. They're not. Uh, they're there to report what happens. They're not there to read it necessarily. But he gives such a great analysis all the time, and I thoroughly enjoy his his press conferences um, just from an educational standpoint. But I'll give you guys the lineup. We'll start with with uh, Dinamo and get that out of the way. Um, I will do my best with these Croatian names. Um, if I if anyone that's Croatian is listening, I uh, please forgive me. I don't mean to offend. Um, I'm gonna pronounce these names as best as I can. In goal, Dominic Livakovic. Um, it's a four four three for for Dinamo. By the way, uh, the left back is Amir Rahmani. Rahmani, um, the center back pairing is Emir Dilaver and Kevin Theophile Catherine. Um, the right back is Petar Stoyakovic. Stoyakovic, yeah, Stoyakovic. The three-man midfield: Daniel Olmo, Nikola Moro, and Amer Goyak. It's not Kojak, it's Goyak. Um, up front, you have Mislav Orsic, Bruno Petkovic, and Damian Kadzior. 
and for Benfica now a little a couple of of novidades a couple of of changes in the lineup and um, fans were very vocal about their opinion of these changes. I totally get them, and I'll ex- I'll I'll give you my explanation or my hypothesis to an explanation in just a moment. In goal, Odysseus Vlakodimos returns despite his blunder um, at the weekend or at on Monday night, I should say. Uh, across the back, the right back was the captain Andre Almeida. The center back pairing again, the two we are becoming used to, and I. Do believe this? This is going to be the center back pairing for the Portuguese national team for the next decade, uh, or within the next decade for for a long time. Uh, Ruben Dias and Ferro. The left back today, uh, yesterday was Yuri Ribeiro. Um, absolutely got got destroyed on on social media. I understand he didn't play well, but he had a job to do, and I think he, he fulfilled his job, and maybe I'm just being a little easy on him. But uh, across the midfield, we had on the right-hand side, Peasy. Uh, excellent game from Peasy. Uh, a new an addition into the center midfield, Fasia returns after a very long absence. Fasia returns. What kind of form was he going to be in after such a long layoff? He paired up with Gabriel for you know the first time in a while, and they really haven't played together very much. Um, that was a very interesting pairing. And Zivkovic gets the start at left mid over over uh normally where Rafa plays and he got the start there because Rafa gets the start up front along with Jota. And the first thing I read online was no avançados, no forwards. Um everybody you know quick quickly criticizing the manager for for this lineup, but let me explain something to you guys. Seferovic is injured. Okay, he can't play, obviously. We knew that going in. Jonas just played 90 minutes. Um, This game, from the beginning, has the potential to go 130 minutes, as it did. Okay? And I believe, at least I would attack this game in a planning sense, from the end of the match backwards. Some would say that's a mistake. um, But would you rather have had... Yuri Ribeiro playing left back at the end of the match or at the beginning of the match? We knew there were two. Bruno Lage said there were two duvidas, two doubts, doubtful players, or two players in doubt. He was concerned about Grimaldo's fitness, and he was concerned about Jonas's fitness. In a game that can go 120 minutes, you don't start a player whose fitness you're not concerned about, in my opinion, um, because they're important, and you want them there at the end. All right, so Yuri Hibeiru had a very simple job, and that was to buy time for Grimaldo. Okay, not to get beat, not to give away any goals, and to not um, not get sent off, not hurt the team. His job was to be on the field, be serviceable. Okay, he didn't have to be great. He needed to buy time for for Grimaldo. Okay, Grimaldo didn't have 120 minutes in him, and that's why he came on as a substitute. Same thing for Jota, okay? We don't have any other forwards, okay? Jean Felix has played an immense amount of minutes this ever since um, Bruno Lage took over. Again, probably was not going to make 120 minutes. 
the possibility that this game could and did go 120 minutes really, I think, dictated the starting lineup in this matchup. Okay, we didn't know what you'd get with Fasia, but Fasia could have been subbed. There was there was plenty of options. Yes, Florentine was dropped to the stands. He did not make the bench for this game. I'm okay with that. Florentino has done what he's had to do. He's still going to see his minutes. Okay, there's a lot of football left to be played. Um, you had Samadij on the bench should Fasia not be able to go. And I think the goal in that matchup was for Fasia to play as long as he could and for Samadij to get as much rest as he could going into Sunday. I think Sunday you're going to see that reversed again. You're going to see Samadij back into the lineup. Fasia to the bench or even Florentino to the bench. Fasia um, inactive uh, due to, you know, the sh quick turnaround. Um, Jota also, he was getting criticized also. I heard some of this match on Antenna U, and I didn't tell you guys the absolute nightmare I had trying to watch this match, okay? I got out of work early yesterday. Um, I got the BR Live app, okay? I was gonna, I was trying to get this match, trying to watch this match. It was not on Univision Deportes. It was not on Galavision. So, therefore, I tried to get it I even went as far as to purchase this damn thing, okay? Uh, I paid the two ninety nine to purchase the match, um, and the stupid feed never worked, all right? I never got it. I was never able to get this this feed. Um, so I, I was pissed off. I was straight up pissed off at this point. Um, and I was selfishly, in my mind, ready for this Europa League to be done with. Like I said, these this Monday-Thursday schedule and now a Thursday-Sunday... It's a, it's an absolute ass kicking on the on these players and on their fitness and um, the squad showed a lot of character in this match and and I will say <laughs> I I popped I got excited when when we we when we tied it um, but right away my first reaction was on not extra time not extra time come on get this done in ninety minutes nope extra time fortunately extra time went well. I don't think we exerted ourselves that much more in the extra 30 minutes than we did in the previous 90, to be honest with you. But again, Jota starting is a huge... Um, he uh, Starting and playing an hour. Okay, Nuno Macho on Antenna U, I ended up listening to this on Antenna U, driving around with my three-year-old um, who wanted to go to the park, and we found the park covered in mud and snow and ice. Yeah, it was 50 degrees out, but the park was, you know, the playground was in the shade. He didn't care. I got my earbud in. I'm playing with him, but with an earbud in, listening to Antenno. Um, Nuno Mach is all over Jota. Jota was trying to do too much. Yeah, I heard it, you know. And big shout-out, big thank you to the the fellas at Bayfica After 90. Um, without listening to their show from last night, this morning, while I was at work, um, in the early morning hours, I listened to their show. I got a better idea of what went on. So, um, because I'm piecing together clips and highlight reels, and I didn't get a chance to watch this match in full, like I just said. So, you guys saved the day for me. You saved this segment of the podcast for me. Thank you, Befica After 90. Mario, Alex, Dylan, great, great episode, by the way. Uh, broke down this match fantastically. Um, I like the three personalities they have and the, the, the different, you know, opinions they sometimes come across. And it's a real good show. If you haven't seen it yet, go to YouTube, 
Search Benfica After 90. Find them on Twitter at Benfica After 90. Okay, they got a long list of shows there. Check it out. After the game Sunday, go figure. Go to their Twitter, see what time they're going live, and watch them on YouTube on Sunday. Celebrate your St. Patrick's Day with some green beer with... Uh, <laughs> And with with the Benfica After 90 crew, all right? That's uh, a little shout-out for them. Um, they helped me understand this match much better. I, uh, as I said, had a hard time viewing it. But I understand Jota. Jota had a job just like uh, Yuri Ribeiro did. It's a placeholder until the starting players can get into the game. And I think this strategy worked, obviously, to a T because uh, Benfica down the stretch with a much better team. Uh, Bruno Lage said that the feedback he was getting from his players as the match was on was that they were breaking Dinamo. Dinamo were wearing down. They were The intensity kept picking up. They kept going at him, and they felt that goal was coming. Um, it did eventually come. You heard you heard the play-by-play just a little bit ago, and you heard uh, Jonas's first goal. So I'm going to run down quickly the the happenings of the match. We're going to skip a lot of it because we are running long, as always, and it is late at night here, and I don't want to misspeak, obviously. And you guys, most of you saw the game, and you've heard the analysis by now. I'll just try to give you bits and pieces that have not been said or that I have not heard. Uh, Benfica started well. They they went at him early, as I said. It says here, you know, they're seeing a lot of the ball in the opening minutes and quickly trying to move it upfield, chasing an early goal. Um, PZ finds himself in some space down the right. PZ was fantastic in this game. Uh, swings across in first time. It was blocked by Rahmani. Um, but Benfica get the second chance into the ball into the box, but Jota is offside. Like I said, uh, Jota criticized a lot for dancing on the ball, playing with it. Nunumach said, "This is not a beach, it's no a praia." <laughs> that's an exp- I, I laughed because that's an expression my old man uh, used when he was coaching a lot of times, and uh, a lot of his players, you know, we a lot of us could speak Portuguese, whether we were Portuguese or Brazilian, and he. He would use that expression all the time when someone would over-dribble. Um, if they spoke Portuguese, this is not a beach. You know, put the ball on the ground, move the ball. Jota, probably the nerves were in there. But um, again, I think he did his job in this match. Um, he was he held that place for, for uh, João Felix to come in in the 60th minute and to play the last 60 minutes or so of the match and uh, to put in a decent performance. I think I think João Felix more than anyone is missing Seferovic right now. So Seferovic if you prefer the the Portuguese sized uh, pronunciation. Um, people notice a drop off he hasn't scored well he's he's lost his strike partner also who does a lot. Uh, they worked together so well. Now he's readjusting to playing with with Jonas. Him and Jonas are so similar. It can't be easy for them to play together. I know that the coach has said that, you know, in practice they've made great goals and everything you see it's already been done in the training pitch, but uh, they they are uh, oftentimes finding themselves running into the same spaces. They have a similar, I think they have a very similar thought process. Jerome Felix is really, really looks like a younger Jonas. Um, they both like to play in between the lines and to, to get into that space and attack it. Um, they're both as good at passing as they are at shooting, at setting up as much as they are at finishing. So I think there's, you know, 
been very little time to adapt to each other. So I think there's a little bit of that there, and that's where you've seen a little bit of the drop-off from Jean-Felix. But you get, you know, two games, two goals from Jonas. So it's hard to criticize uh, that also, on the other hand. Um, yellow card here for Moro in the 14th minute, Nicola Moro, uh, for a foul on Gabriel. Benfica doing fine in the first half. They're pushing. Um, we're going to go right into the second half because uh, it wasn't as good of a, of a, of a first half. Uh, the guys on Bufik after 90 were, were pretty critical of the first half. But in, at the end, you know, no, go, no away goals conceded. That's the first and most important thing because that, you know, really makes it uh, an uphill battle. Uh, Bufika asked for a penalty just before halftime. Rafa goes down in the box, but it says here it's a soft challenge. The referee, who uh, by all accounts was given a good good rating from both uh, from the guys at Benfica after ninety, he was given a good rating by the guys on uh, by Antonio Hola. I think from what I saw, he also seemed to do a pretty good job managing the match, and uh, he called it as it is, and did a good job not not being uh, not being the center of attention for the wrong reasons. So, uh, in the in the forty sixth minute, uh, we see two substitutions. I'm assuming this was still within halftime. Yuri Ribeiro comes out. Grimaldo comes in. Um, as the manager said, Grimaldo didn't. You know, he was concerned about the fitness of Grimaldo. Uh, Jonas comes on as a substitution. Also, here in the forty-sixth minute, he comes on for Zivkovic. Interestingly enough, which moves Jota to the left side of midfield. Um, Benfica get the game underway in the second half. But early on the 51st minute, Olmo comes close for the Croatians. He gets the ball on the edge of the box. After taking a touch, he, sh- he hits his shot toward the near post. Goalkeeper gets a cross well to punch the effort away, though. Uh, triple chance for Benfica in the 53rd minute. Pizzi's initial shot is blocked. The rebound falls back to him, but he and he is able to pick out Jonas with a chipped pass. The substitute hits his shot first time, but it's blocked from close range by Diliver. Uh, before Grimaldo's chances aimed towards the near post, and Livakovic gets across well to make the save. Um, some more clever play from Befica, allowing Almeida to get upfield into some space in the 55th minute, and he gets the ball in good position, but his cross is poor and bounces out of play. That's unfortunate from an otherwise, you know, in form under Almeida. Much of the same, you know, Benfica's starting to really increase the pressure, starting to feel it. 62nd minute, João Felix enters the match, uh, replaces Jota. And like I said, the kid Jota uh, did enough, obviously. Um, I don't think he was there to, to be a difference in this game. He wasn't there to score goals. If it so happened, then then great. But he was there to do exactly what he did to, to, to eat up 60 minutes. In my opinion, this is my perspective. Um, and to make way for João Felix to come on with 30 to go, and, uh, you know, the res- the result's still attainable. Uh, 62, Goyak goes down in his own half. He's receiving some treatment. The time-wasting starts. 
66, Jonas has shown a yellow card after catching Rahmani with a late challenge. And <laughs> he will miss the next match. So that will that's a good thing in my opinion because he's gonna he is gonna <laughs> he's gonna get some rest because that's gonna be another midweek game. That's fine. Uh, especially in the first leg, I'm all for rotation. Uh, again, I'm I'm taking the same approach with the next round as I've taken with the last two. Get through the first leg, see what you got to do. I know I believe the first leg's at home this time, so there's some pressure to win. But again, you know it's um it is it's a balancing act. This is. A tough balance. You got the league and you got the Europa League. I still, and most people still weigh the Liga much heavier than the Europa League. Yes, we're starving for a European triumph. But, again, one round at a time. Let's see. If we get by, if we get by Eintracht Frankfurt, maybe in the following round against uh, presumably Chelsea, maybe we can work up a cushion and we can afford to to risk a little more in the Europa League. We'll we'll see. It's we have to take each match as it comes right now. We can't get ahead of ourselves. That's why I don't even like the expression of nine finals. It's it's one final. The next game is the final. Okay, in each game after that. And we don't look past any games. Um We'll we'll fast forward to the 71st minute where we finally get the goal. Uh, Jonas, the ball bounces up in front of him, and he takes a step back, which allows him to take the shot on the volley at the edge of the box. It bounces past the keeper's outstretched hands, nestles into the bottom corner. Benfica go ahead, and the the round or the tie is is all even now at one apiece. Uh, the assist goes to Pizzi, who was fantastic, like I said in this match. Uh, Benfica goes straight to the attack again after the restart. And once again, Grimaldo gets a cross in. That is cleared by De La Vere. Uh, in the 74th minute, a yellow card is shown for a foul to Jean-Felix. Um, the first substitution comes in for Dinamo at this point, 75th minute. Mario Situm replaces Damian Casidor. Benfica continue to come close in the 77th. Jonas pulls away his defender at the far post, but comes just close enough getting on the end of the ball, and it's just a bit too high to win a corner, and they win a corner. Good chance for Jonas in the next minute. Uh, the game continues to open up. Jonas finds himself some space on the edge of the box, takes a shot. Livakovic gets across well to punch the ball away from from goal, and Dinamo get it out for a corner. Um... Continued onslaught by Benfica at this point. Uh, 86th, another substitution for the Croatians. Mario Gavranovic comes on for Bruno Petkovic. A good... Uh, I like this this Petkovic forward. I like his abilities. Uh, he's a big, strong forward with the ability to hold the ball. Really, at this stage in the game, with as depleted as our strike force is, I, I wish we had a striker like that we could throw in up front that could hold on to the ball and... And give some much-needed relief to Jean-Felix and to Seferovic and to to Jonas at this point. The 88th minute, Benfica's continue to put a lot of pressure chasing the goal to try to prevent the game to go from extra time. You know that that was in their mind like it was in mine. At this point, my, my nerves are through the roof as I'm at the park with my kid listening to... Uh, 
listening to to Nunumat uh, Nuno on Antena uh, Grimaldo gets a yellow card, Grimaldo, in the 90th minute on a foul on Olmo. And we go to extra time, okay? Um, and it doesn't take long. It's the 90, in the 94th minute, four minutes into extra time. Fantastic, absolutely fantastic goal from Fedor, a highlight reel goal. The, the young kid just continues to improve. I mean, a center back who's got three goals in nine matches. That's a goal every three appearances. As a center back, as a 19-year-old center back, what a shot. I mean, he has an unbelievable strike. And as you heard in the, at the beginning of this segment, you heard the the you heard the play by play, and it starts again with with who pressure is applied and the ball is knocked away by a certain Gabriel. The ball finds its way out to to Fehu, who's playing way up at this point. He gets a nice touch inward towards the center of the field, outside the box, and just. Buries it in the far post. The place erupts. Goes nuts. Nuno Mats goes nuts on Antenna. Befica now lead the tie. 2-0 on, on the night. 2-1 on aggregate. Um, Dinamo respond with the substitution in the 98th minute. Their third and final sub. As a team win comes on for, Goy, for Goyak. Um, in the 103rd minute. Stonjakovic. Receives his, his uh, yellow card for descent. Seconds after his first yellow card, he receives another yellow card. And he is off. It's an early shower for, for Stonjakovic. And let's see. Here we have the report says, Seconds after receiving his first yellow card, he receives a second yellow card for descent. This is something that, as a coach, will absolutely drive you out of your mind. Okay, there's nothing worse than a player in an important moment like this. With Befica up 2-1, to one, one goal still puts Dinamo through. You can't be losing your head like this. Now he puts his team down at a, at a severe disadvantage, going down to 10 men. Befica, at that point, feel comfortable. They settle into the game. Um, they feel they have it now. They're confident because for the last 15 minutes, they're going to play up a man. How do you get two yellow cards for descent? You see that first one, you shut your mouth and you walk away. Glad this guy didn't do that. <laughs> it worked out for us. It also eased some of the pressure. It also, I believe, eased you know some of the strain on the players. Because within a minute, Grimaldo scores on a wonder strike. An absolute. An absolute golasso, asso, asso, asso. Okay? <laughs> Muy bien, chiquito, were the words. Shouted by Nuno Mach on Antenna. Um, he just absolutely... This ball has eyes. And it's 3 nothing. It's now the halftime, if you want to call it that, or the pause in extra time. But if he could see out the result at this point, it was never under threat again. Um, because even if... Even if... If Dinamo had scored one, they would have still needed another one to advance... And Benfica will win the match 3-0, advance to the quarterfinals where I said they drew Eintracht Frankfurt. Let's go through a few statistics in this one. Uh, possession went 69-31 in favor of Benfica. Total shots, Benfica 25, 
Dinamo 7 to accurate passes. Benfica 685 to Dinamo's 244 for a success rate of 83% for Benfica and 65% for Dinamo. 13 fouls from Benfica to Dinamo's 22. 8 corners to 4 in favor of, of the Portuguese side. Um, Benfica were offside once in contrast to Dinamo's four times. Benfica put 11 shots on target as opposed to three for Dinamo. Um, Benfica had six blocked shots also. So that, that sums up the, the statistics and the lineups. The man of the match for this one was Peasy with a 9.3 rating. I'll go through a few more of the ratings. Vlacodimir 7.6. Uh, that's a good rating. He responded well. He made some big saves at key moments. Um, Ruben Diaz responds well also with a 7.8. My man, Gabriel, 8.2. Fehu, 8.3. Fasia, 120 minutes in a 7.3 rating. Fantastic showing for Fasia. Um, Rafa, Sil Rafa Silva, 7.6. And he just continues to run. Like I, I saw, uh, his battery is getting low. He was subbed off, I believe, in the 119th minute. No, he he stayed on. Excuse me. PZ was subbed off in the 119th minute for Jetson. Rafa, I hope you have 90 more minutes in you for Sunday. We need you at your best um, Sunday. We need the three points. The Europa League is done and dusted for this round. We'll be back for round uh, round number Round number. We'll be back for the quarterfinals. As you can tell, it's getting late. We'll be back at the quarterfinals in a short turnaround. Um, Sunday, the game is, I believe, at noon or 12.30 Eastern time here in the United States on the East Coast, which would be 9.30, 9 a.m., something like that for you guys out on the West. In fact, let me get a, an up-to-date time for you. Technology makes things like this possible now. Why am I trying to guess? It'll be 1.30 p.m. start time. That's right because of daylight savings hitting Europe this weekend. So 1.30, have it with your St. Patrick's Day lunch, you know. Um, it will be Benfica at Moreirense in Moreira dos Conegros. A very tough stadium to play at. They were seconds away from beating Porto not too long ago. Um, Benfica will have to suck it up. They're going to have to reach deep and pull out a result here. There's no other option. Um, only a win will do in this match. Go into the international break. Top the table. Regroup. Get our rest. A couple guys are going to play for their national teams, but come back ready to go. Um, we then come back on March 31st with Tondela. Another tough, another tough, tough. So three matches in us eight day period when we get back. So we got Tondela in the next match, and then we got Sporting at uh, on the road. We have a midweek game with Sporting for the Taça de Portugal, and then Feirense on the weekend. Um, this still does not have the Europa League quarterfinals in there so that's also probably in there at some point um also just a couple of last announcements tonight okay before we call it a week um and we 
make it a wrap on episode 5. I just wanted to make a few pointers. And let's see here. The Parking the Bus podcast that I've been talking up. Um, the first episode is in the can. I've yet to release it. Uh, I'm still not convinced whether or not I like it. I'm playing it for a few people. And then I will make a decision. But I will absolutely start putting that together. Um, I have another. I'm going to be recording another one soon. Um, as I said earlier, thank you to all our our listeners. Um, the numbers this first month were unbelievable, at least from high expectation, way way higher than I expected. And um, here in the U.S., uh, I've been downloaded and listened to in like twelve different states. Absolutely um, humbling, very honored. Uh, Canada, like I said, I shouted you out earlier. Um, with listeners in in BC, uh, British Columbia, in Ontario, and in Quebec, okay, uh, Portugal, like I said, in the the areas where we had some some uh, listeners, UK, Germany, Switzerland, and Ireland. Thank you very much. Um, one thing I did notice, I did mention the convocados, the the squad list for Portugal. I left one off the list. I left Mister Benfica off the list because, ladies and gentlemen. We got two shows next week, okay, or within the next week. Um, we'll have our regular Mr. Benfica at this time next week, next Friday night. It's gonna be, um, it's gonna be the regularly scheduled Mr. Benfica. Should be a shorter episode. We only got one match to look at, okay. It shouldn't take so long. And then after these two matches, I am happy to announce a bonus episode. It will be episode one. Of Mr. Portugal, Mr. Portugal, however you prefer it. Okay, I will take a look at the two Portugal matches within this international window. Um, it'll be sometime midweek uh, after the two matches, of course. I believe they're Friday and Tuesday of that week. I could be wrong. could be Saturday, Wednesday, something like that. I will get a Mr. Portugal bonus episode in for you guys, okay? And that is my thank you for the support and for the... the um, <laughs> the feedback, the accolades, the the listens, the downloads. Uh, I'm gonna do a, a bonus episode. No ads, okay? There'll be no ads in that bonus episode. It'll be just me talking about uh, those two Portugal games. For those of you that that are into it, I know not all Benfica fans are Portugal fans. I know not all Benfica fans, and many don't support international football. And I know there's concerns about our players going off and um, playing for somebody else. Totally cool. Um, I'm doing it for those that want to listen. If, if that's only five of you, I'm cool with that. No offense taken. That's cool. This is about Benfica. This is just Mr. Portugal will just be a little bit of a bonus, okay? Um, and I will post that. My plan is to post that at on this space here. Within this feed and also in my parking the bus feed that is currently empty on Podbean. Okay, so I'll have uh, more information about that on next week's Mr. Benfica pod. It'll be episode 6 and I will give you some more information about Mr. Portugal episode 1. Alright, and again, I appreciate everybody's support with this project. This has been a, a blast thus far and I look forward to, to taking this all the way to the Marques. Okay, I want, well, not physically, but at least through uh, these recordings and through the lens of the television. Um, I want to see, 
I want to see the Marquez painted red again at the end of the season. I'm signing off for the week. It's the Mr. Mike Agostinho. Damu 37. Good night. Good week, everybody. See you next time.